0: Thank you for listening today. We are so honored that you would take time out of your day to check out one of our messages. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can visit us at www.verdigrisassembly.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Veritas Assembly. And now, here's this week's message. super excited that you are here today. I'm thankful for what God is going to do in this service. We're going to continue this morning with our book of Philippians series, the power series. And we're going to continue. We started last week talking about uh, the power of leadership. And so we're going to continue to focus on the power of leadership. If you remember last Sunday, we said this, we said that the local church is the hope of the world. And the future of the church rests primarily in the hands of its leaders. The local church is the hope of the world. And the future of the church rests primarily in the hands of its leaders. And if you will remember from last week, we also said this. That if you are a child of God, if you are a born again believer, that in some capacity God has called you To lead. If you are a child of God, if you are born again, listen, God has called you in some capacity to lead. So, what does good leadership look like? What does godly leadership look like? More importantly, this morning, what does God want to do in my life? What does God want to do in your life to help us to live in godly? Leadership. Let's look at the Word of God together. Philippians chapter two. <clears throat> Philippians chapter two. We're going to begin in verse number nineteen. Philippians two, verse number nineteen. The Word of God says this this morning. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own. Not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Ephroditus my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier. But your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly. That when you see Him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive Him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ, He came close to death, not regarding His life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. In the book, A Coach for All Seasons which is a book about the life and the legacy of Coach John Wooden, he is almost unanimously recognized as the greatest college basketball coach to ever live. And he's also been recognized as one of the greatest leaders to ever live. In this book, the book details John Wooden's UCLA teams that won 10 NCAA championships in 12 years. Now that is incredible, right? Well, even with all of these wins in the 1960s, the 60s were a very turbulent time in the United States history. And it was a very turbulent time in this time that Bill Walton Walton played under the tutelage of Coach Wooden. And all of these young people, including those that were on the basketball team, were asking some very difficult questions during this time. And they were stating their opinions about what they believed during this time. And they were questioning anyone and everyone who was in authority. Wooden's answers to these questions never changed. Bill Walton said of this time, We thought he was crazy. But in all of his preachings and all his teachings, Walton said, everything he told us turned out to be true. His interest and his goal was to make you the best basketball player, but first to make you the best person. Walton said he would never talk wins and losses, but he would always talk about what we needed to succeed in life. He believed that once you were a good human being, you had a chance to be a good basketball player. And he never deviated from that thought. Walton goes on to say he never tried to be your friend. He was always your teacher, your coach, and he handled us with extreme patience. Walton said that up until the time that Wooden died, That they would talk frequently. And he said that Wooden had thousands of maxims and sayings. He said he was a man who lived by his principles and his ideas. Walton ended what he said about Coach Wooden by saying this. When you are touched by someone that special, it changes your life. You spend your life chasing it down. And trying to recreate it. What was it about Coach Wooden that Bill Walton said that he wanted to chase down? What was it in his life that was so special that Walton said there's something about him that I want to recreate in my own life? Here's what I want you to understand this morning. It's leadership. Leadership. The quality that Coach Wooden had in his life, not only with Bill Walton, but also with many, many other star basketball players that went on to play in the NBA that came up from the college ranks under his coaching was leadership. So, the question is this morning how can I be a better leader? How can I be a healthy leader? How can I be a godly leader that other people will look into my life and see that there's something special in me and desire to recreate something that they see in me in their own life? Here we go. Number one, a healthy leader is people oriented. A healthy leader is people-oriented. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21 says, For I have no one, everybody say no one. I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own and not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Then verse 26 says this, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Timothy and Ephroditus were both people that were very much people-oriented. Both of these men that Paul had raised up that had come up underneath him were leaders that were people-oriented. Listen, when we boil life down to its simplest form, it's really all about loving God and loving people. That's what it's about. If you boil it down, if you get it to the simplest form, it's all about putting God first in your life and caring about other people. God is about people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. God Wants to love people. God loves people. He loves the people in the world, not the things that people do in the world. Come on. But He loves people so much, the Bible says, that He gave. God loved us so much, and He cares about people so much that He gave. What did He give? He gave His only begotten Son. You see, Jesus was also All about people. Amen. Remember Jesus and the woman at the well? The Bible says he went to Samaria and he didn't even have to go through Samaria. But guess what? He knew that he had a divine appointment with an adulterous woman. (laughs) Jesus knew, I've got an appointment to keep. The other people around him didn't understand what was going on. They didn't know why he needed to go through Samaria. These were the hated people of the time. This was across the tracks where you didn't want to go over to that side of town. This was the bad area in in that time. You didn't want to talk to these people or be seen with them. And Jesus says, I'm going to go to the center of town. I've got an appointment to keep. He literally went out of his way to help the Samaritan woman. Remember Jesus going to the ruler's house whose daughter had died? He went out of his way beyond something that he was doing at the time, teaching the people, walking down the streets, healing other people, and yet the ruler asked for him to come to his house, and Jesus went. Remember Jesus healing the lady that touched the hem of his garment? She was someone that no one cared about, no one wanted to have anything to do with her, but she pressed through and touched the hem of his garment, and Jesus spoke with her, healed her body. Remember Jesus' concern for his own mother while he was hanging on the cross? Why? Why do we have all of these different examples about Jesus? Because Jesus cares about people. He proved it in the way that he lived his life. Jesus cares about people. We also have to remember that everybody in this room, every leader has a different personality. And so some people say, well, you know what? Jesus cares about people, and as a leader, I'm supposed to care about people. I know that's the right thing to do, but pastor, you don't understand. I just don't like people. (laughs) Come on. It's just my personality. I don't really want to be around anybody else. This is just my personality. I'm not a people person. Come on, somebody. See, some people say, I'm not, this is not my personality. Well, guess what? Everyone has a different personality based upon how God created you, right? And also based upon the circumstances that you were raised in. Some people it's a personality issue. Some people because you've had difficult circumstances with people in your raising that you said, no, I just really kind of shy away from people. It's not what I want to do because I don't want to get hurt by other people. So what do we need to understand this morning? So if you are a task-oriented leader as a leader, you have to work hard to remind yourself that ministry is about people and leading is about people. If your personality is task-oriented, which a lot of people are who would say that they are not really people, that I'm not a people person, and so guess what? Many people that way, their personality is about task. I get things done. Yeah, I don't really like people, but I get a lot of stuff done, right? Well, guess what? You have to remind yourself that Jesus is about people. So in order to do that, even when you're getting your tasks done, you have to realize that life is about people. The task should be leading towards helping people. The task is not the end all. It's not about accomplishing everything on your list in a certain day that says at the end of the day that you're successful. It's about whether or not those tasks end up leading to helping others. A leader who does not spend time with the people that they're supposed to be leading is not a healthy leader. Woo, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good now. From verse 21, we have to conclude this. That there were people in the first century church who only thought about themselves. Listen to what the scripture says in verse 21. For all seek their own and not the things which are of Christ Jesus. So what was he saying? There's some selfish people. You're just trying to do what you want to do. You're just getting your tasks done. You're just trying to focus on you and you're not focusing on other people and you're not focusing on the heart of God. That's what he was saying. They thought that they were the most important people in the church. They thought that the church was all about them. Have you ever known somebody like that? Are you sitting next? No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, how many has ever known someone that thought the church was all about them? They thought that every decision in the church needed to be made and so that it would please them. They thought that any uncomfortable feeling that they felt that it should be changed because it should suit them. Listen, church has never been about suiting the children of God. Church has always been about reaching a lost people that don't know Jesus yet. It's always been outward focused. That's what God has created the church to be. Even though, even though a healthy pastor should be people oriented, listen, I can be, and others can be, extremely selfish if I think the pastor should spend more time with me than someone else. Oh, I better get back to my notes. If I feel that way in a church, I'm basically being one of those people that Paul referenced in verse 21. Pastor's not spending enough time with me. Well, hopefully pastors and leadership and other leaders are spending time with people that are lost and trying to focus on bringing new people in and being an outreach-minded church. Come on, somebody. God has called us to lead. So what does that mean? That means this. That if someone else is not always spending time with me that I think that they should, then what does that mean? Then as a leader, that means personally I get to choose to lead myself with God's help. I get to choose to wake up every day and say, I need to grow in my relationship with God. Come on, somebody. I've got to continue to lead. God has called us to lead, and He's called us to focus on other people. We also see this this morning. We also see that a healthy leader is not only people-focused, but they're Jesus-focused. A healthy leader should be Jesus-focused. Philippians 2 and 21 says, For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Then verse 30 says this, Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Apparently Timothy was one of those church leaders that stood out from the rest. When you looked at Timothy's life, he just stood out. He was not only interested in loving people, but he was also all about Jesus. Man, Timothy loved the Lord. He was not trying to make a name for himself. He wasn't trying to say, boy, if they'll put my name in lights, I'll be a success at the church. I'll be really successful if they'll talk about me from the pulpit. Timothy simply wanted to be a devoted follower of Jesus and to help other people become a devoted follower of Jesus, that's all he wanted, he wanted to lead people to Jesus, Ephroditus was so devoted to the work of Jesus that he almost died, the Bible says, while trying to work with Paul, he literally was giving his health to worship and honoring God, he was away from his home, he was working in a foreign country, simply because he was all about Jesus, His life and his health and everything about him were dedicated to Jesus. Listen, healthy leaders look for ways to serve Jesus in everything that they do. If you want to continue to lead in your life, then you need to be looking for ways to serve other people and to serve Jesus. Healthy leaders are willing to risk it all for Christ. Ministry can be exhausting, How many knows ministry in your life can be exhausting trying to minister to other people? But guess what? It can also be exhilarating. It's the greatest thing I've ever done is ministering to other people. Telling someone about Jesus and what He's done in your own life will be the most exhilarating. Yeah, but pastor, I'm scared to tell someone. It's the most exhilarating thing that you'll ever do. Leading someone to Jesus Christ. Leading others towards a relationship with Jesus Christ is the most incredible way to live. Successful leaders must guard against focusing on being perceived as successful rather than focusing on making Jesus known among the people. It's not about me saying, well, look at how high I am on the rung of success. Look at what I've done. Look at my accomplishments. No, our accomplishments should be wrapped up in whether or not we're leading people closer to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 16 and 10 says, And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. He was pointing out, look, Timothy is one of those guys that loves God. He's focused on Jesus Are you? Is your life focused on Jesus? I know it is today because you're here. But tomorrow when you go to work is your life focused on Jesus? When you're having that phone conversation later this week is your life going to be focused on Jesus? Wait a minute. When you're tempted to compromise this week Will your life be focused on Jesus? What's it's quiet. When you're tempted to compromise, when you're tempted to do something that you know in your heart is wrong to do, but listen, but you've made justification for that because you've said, well, I've seen somebody else do it and they're a Christian. When you're tempted to compromise, will you continue to focus on Jesus? Timothy was. Why? Because he remembered what Jesus had done for him. He was living a grateful life. Listen, resisting and overcoming temptation in your life to me and my life is about living in gratefulness. It's a whole lot easier for us to be able to overcome temptation in our life and compromise when we remember what Jesus has done in our lives. Come on, somebody. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15 says this, For the love of Christ compels us, The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. What's he saying? He's saying, look, our life should be wrapped up in Jesus because Jesus died and rose for us. So I live my life and I'm obedient to God and I don't give in to compromise and I don't do these things because I'm grateful for what Jesus has done for me just look at the life of Peter Acts 4 and 16 says what shall we do to these men for indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it but so that it spreads no further among the people let us severely threaten them from now on they speak to no man in this name so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor to teach in the name of Jesus but Peter and John Answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. In other words, this is not black and white. We don't know. We can't tell you whether it's black and white. God hasn't revealed whether this is a gray area. But here's, what, here's their answer, verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people since they all glorified God for what had been done. What did Peter and John do? They said, look, you can do what you want to with us. We're not sure where where God tells us whether or not this authority thing in comparison to you, but here's what we do know. Our lives are going to honor Him. And we're not going to shut our mouth. We're going to continue to talk about Jesus because He's living on the inside of us and we can't help but do it. Guess what? In your life, you're always going to have people who oppose you. Listen, you're always going to have people who oppose you. There's always going to be an enemy that's against you. But here's what I want you to understand. If you will stand for Christ, there will always be somebody that will glorify God because of you and because of your witness. The Bible says they all glorified God. (laughs) Come on. There's always going to be opposition, but if you'll stand for Christ as a leader, there will always be someone who will glorify God because of your testimony. Peter understood that these were the same men who had been instrumental in getting Jesus crucified. He understood that he might end up on a cross as well. But instead of backing down, instead of quietening down, Peter and John boldly confronted these men and preached Jesus to them. Why? Because he was all about Jesus. Are you all about Jesus? The same goes for Paul. 1 Corinthians 1.23, the Bible says, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. They don't understand it, he said. They're opposing us, but we're still going to preach the truth. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2 says, the Word of God says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. You are expecting somebody to come out and, oh, yes, and have these great oratory skills. But he says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, if you want somebody fancy to come and talk to you, then you've come to the wrong place. But I'll tell you what I can do. I can preach the cross to you. I can tell you about Jesus. Paul was adamant about preaching Jesus. I want you to know this morning that there are a lot of popular themes that I could preach on from week to week. There are a lot of things that change in our culture. But ladies and gentlemen, I am committed to preaching to you the truth of the Word of God. And I'm going to preach to you the truth of the Word of God. And as a leader, wherever you are, whoever you're with, whoever you work with or spend time with, your life should first be dedicated to Jesus. It has to be dedicated to Jesus first. Because if not, listen, the enemy would love to twist your life and to turn you away from God and he would love to turn your testimony away from God and he would like to allow other people to fall because of what they see a lack of in your life here's the next thing we see next thing we see is that a healthy leader has proven character Philippians 2 and 22 But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Look at verse 25. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Ephroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Now verse 29. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men. Everybody say such men such men in esteem because for the work of christ he came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me what is he saying he's saying look i'm giving you an example of somebody who's honoring god and loving people in their life you need to recognize them but you also need to recognize other people that are this way they've got proven character As Timothy was working side by side with Paul, Paul began to see that Timothy had proven character. Now listen, we don't know all of the history of Ephroditus like we do Timothy, but what we do know is that the people who were a part of the Philippian church had so much confidence in Ephroditus that they trusted him to take the missions offering that they had received to Paul. Apparently... Ephroditus had proven himself over and over again and his character was such that they said, we can trust you, here, take the money. How many knows when you can trust somebody with money, you can trust them with something, right? One of the most important characteristics we should examine when looking for leaders is godly character. Now I want you to listen because this is very important. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Unfortunately... People in Pentecostal circles often confuse character with anointing. Unfortunately, people in Pentecostal circles confuse character with anointing. What does that mean? If someone is anointed many times, we assume that that means that they're godly. It's not the same thing. It's not always the case. Remember this. God anointed a donkey one time, but that didn't mean that the donkey had godly character. Are you listening to me? Just because someone is anointed to do something does not mean that they have godly character. But we also see that after King Saul had turned his back on God, the Bible tells us King Saul was living in rebellion against God, and Scripture tells us that the Spirit came on him and he prophesied. The anointing of God is not the same thing as godly character. Unfortunately, even though God used King Saul, his character had not changed. He was still living in rebellion against God. Apparently some of the so-called leaders in the first century church didn't have godly character. Look at what Scripture says, Philippians 3 verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those or notice those whose soul walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Well, Paul, why don't you just tell us how you feel? (laughs) Right? He was saying, look, Follow those men that have good, godly character, but these other people that you know don't, you better stay away from them. 3 John 9 and 10 tells us about a situation where someone's character was in question. Here's what it says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren, and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Not only does Paul say, hey look, there are some people, but in this passage of Scripture, in 3 John 9 and 10, he puts his name in there. He doesn't say just generally watch out, he says, look, Diotrephes is trouble. Stay away from Him. This is what He's doing. Listen, we have to remember that in order to be a leader that God desires for us to be, it's going to take consistent character. Consistent. Everybody say consistent. Why? Because your family is watching. Your neighbors are watching. Your church is watching. And most importantly, God is watching. That's not a threat. That's truth. People are watching and God is watching. How many of you believe that God desires for us to have consistent character? Say amen. I want to ask the worship team to come to the front. In the world that we live in today, in the culture that we live in today, I think it's been proven over the past couple of weeks. Especially what's going on in our culture. The hearings and all of this stuff that's taken place and even, even since and over the past. This, listen, this past election with, with our president is not the only election where things have gotten contentious in American history. As a matter of fact, over the past several elections, we know that it's been contentious on both sides. Republican or Democrat, let me, let me tell you this. People ask me, well, are you Republican or Democrat? You know, I, my leaning is towards one way, but I'll vote for a godly man. I don't care what title you put with him. Come on. Because it's about, it's about character, proven character. It's about how people vote. Those things are what's most important to me. What about you? But listen... Here's what I'm telling you. Some people say, well, look, you have this and this and this and all this kind of stuff going on. Listen, the world is hungry for leadership. The world is hungry for leadership. God has set the church in such a place that we can stand in a place of leadership. People may disagree with you. I promise Bill Walton disagreed with John Wooden many, many times. People can disagree with a good leader, but you will always respect good leadership. And you know what the church has lost over the past couple decades? Respect. It's lost respect. There was a point in American history where people respected the church. But now many, many people no longer even have a respect for the church. Across the board in many churches today, there are a growing number of people that are coming to churches for different reasons. But some are reaching out to churches that will just tell them what they want to hear. People fall away. They continue to go from church, church hop to church, just going like grasshoppers. Going from one place to the next. Because they no longer respect the church enough to stay in a place where someone is going to tell them the truth. Come on, somebody. Listen, in the culture that we live in today, it's it's most vitally important that you lead in your own personal life. People need not only to hear what you say, but they need to watch you live it. They need to hear you say it and then they need to look out on Monday and they need to say, man, when they go to work, that's what they do. Because they'll respect you for that. After Abraham Lincoln announced the Emancipation Proclamation, we know how important that that was to our nation's history. The Emancipation Proclamation freed the slaves during the Civil War. But because of that decision, very difficult decision, he was then condemned by many people, including the London Times newspaper, which had this to say about him. Lincoln is a sort of moral American pope. And he is destined to be Lincoln the last. They ripped him. After Lincoln's assassination, the paper then realized his greatness. And they had this to say about him. Abraham Lincoln was as little a tyrant as any man who ever lived. He could have been a tyrant if he pleased, but he never even uttered as much as an ill-natured speech. Wow, what a turnaround. From one that they blasted because they disagreed to now somebody that they honored in death. Listen, as a Christian, there's going to be times when you have to take an unpopular stance. There are going to be times when you have to take an unpopular stand at work, at school, even in the church. And sometimes in life, there's going to be times when you only have your principles to stick with. But you have to stick with your principles. Sometimes you may even be called names. You may even have your questions and your motives or your motives questioned. I heard a story this week. Of The painful time during this time of the Emancipation Proclamation that Abraham Lincoln had with people even in his own cabinet and those leaders that were surrounding him that disagreed with the decisions that he made. And the story goes like this by his biographer that said that he actually at one point would go and he would meet with this group of people and he would become so frustrated by their unwillingness to listen to the truth that he would go to another room that had a sofa or a, or a bed in it and he would close the door behind him as the meeting was continuing to go on and he would put his face into the pillow or into the bed or into the couch and he would scream and he would weep and he would cry because of his frustration. And then after he was through crying and after he was through screaming and through with this frustration, he would stand up and he would go and there would be a basin of water and he would wash his face until the red had left his face before he walked back into the room so that he could lead these men. Sometimes in life, there's going to be times when you face an uncomfortable situation, but you still have to stand. You still have to lead. You still have to think. You still have to remember the principles that God has set in your life. And you always have to remember your character. Come on. And you don't compromise just because things get uncomfortable in your life or because there's pressure. Amen. Could you stand with me? Leaders all over this room, stand with me this morning. God has called you to focus on two things. He's called you to focus on people and He's called you you to focus on your relationship with Him. If you'll do that, you'll put focus on people and focus on Jesus. If you'll do that, how many of you believe God can take care of the rest? Amen? I believe that this morning. If you would say, Pastor, I'm willing to lead... I'm willing not to compromise, but I want to focus in on people and I want to focus in on my relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you to come. Come on, if you're a leader, you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I want to lead others to Jesus and I want to allow Jesus to lead my life. I want to invite you to come this morning. God's building leaders. God's building character. Come on, don't wait on somebody else. If you're willing to lead others, you're willing to allow God to lead you. Let's gather around this front today. God's wanting to do some work on the inside of us here at Vertigrous Assembly. He's wanting to do something where we don't stay the same. We don't continue down our own path of compromise. We don't continue to, to uh, allow uncomfortable situations to pull us away from our principles and from the promises of God's Word. But we're, as we begin to sing this morning, I want you to focus in. Lord, how can you continue to pour into my life and how can I begin to reach out to other people as a leader that God has called me to be? How can you allow me to do that? What are the things that need to change? Lord, what needs to be forgiven in my life? Maybe there's something that you've said or done or a compromise that you've made that needs to be forgiven in your life. Maybe you need to ask for someone else's forgiveness in order to lead in the proper way. But whatever it is, we're going to dedicate our lives right now as they begin to sing i just want you right now just begin to pray this is your time with jesus let's allow the